Bob and Charlene Steinkamp, founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, invite you into their living room in Pompano Beach, Florida, for a telephone conference call. Let's join other men and women from across the land who are seeking God's restoration of their marriage. Welcome to Rejoice Marriage Ministries on a Sunday afternoon that is beautiful in Pompano Beach, Florida, as Bob would say, and we want to welcome everyone that is visiting and tuning in right now and calling in and Tim is just getting you all coming in and we've got our son Tim who is running the computer aspects of all the calls coming in and as Bob used to do and we have Allie here who is our 13 year old that was Bob's helper and now he's she's helping her dad now to do it so we're thrilled to have Tim and Allison here but most of all, I am thrilled to welcome two guests, which are two restored marriage, two marriages that are restored, that are on the solid rock of Jesus Christ right now, and they're seeking to grow and uh, restore their marriage forever. And I can tell you that because that's what Bob and I did. Our marriage was a process until the day he went home to be with the Lord. We continue to be more Christ-like each and every day of our lives. And uh, we're thrilled to have Sandra and Andy from Washington State. Welcome, guys. We are so glad to have you back. Oh, thank you. We're glad. It's good to be here. And it's actually a sunny, shiny day in our neck of the woods where uh, rain prevails. <laughs> rain? So you have no snow anymore? No snow. No snow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think the middle of the United States has enough snow for everybody right now. But Well, we're thrilled to have you. And you know, um, we have had them on before, and we've talked to them many times. And Sandra and Andy um, also have a CD that, is, that we have that many people have. And you're going to hear something special about their marriage because I'll tell you a little secret right now which may help some of you because some of your spouses are talking about getting married to the other person and legalizing their adultery, and that is what uh, Andy did. So if you know somebody that is going through those trials and tribulations and they may not know uh, about it, please call them and have them uh, call in and give them the number because they're going to hear quite a testimony today. And then we have special Pauline and Vince from California, which is across the United States from Florida, but Pauline and Vince were a surprise to us and came to Bob's funeral. And so they're very two special, very, very special people in our family's eyes right now. So Pauline and Vince, we're thrilled to have you both. Thank you, Charlene. We are very, very excited to be here with you and Sandra and Andy, too. Um, we're sunny out here also. <laughs> have you had any snow in California at all? No. Uh, what's that snow? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll live in California or Florida then. <laughs> well, we're thrilled to have everybody here today. But I want to open up first. Um, I don't know, and I know there's many people listening in right now. I pray your pastor talked about marriage. I taught, I pray they talked about love. Our pastor, I ran into his wife um, before the service, and she ran into me, and she goes, oh, you're going to want to get this CD for Stop Divorce Radio. 
Pastor, you're going to love what Pastor Yuri has said, and guess what we did at the end of the service, Charlene? Guess what he did? I said, I don't know. He said they, he called everybody up, of husbands and wives, and renewed their wedding vows to the promises and vows that they made at, on their wedding day. So we had quite a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning service. And yes, I have the CD, and yes, Tim will be putting it up this week on our website, Stop Divorce Radio. Um, but I tell you, the reason I go to where I go to church is because of the, the strong belief of marriage is a covenant and it's for life. <laughs> and our pastor said it today. Now, did your pastors, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Did your pastors, um, Vince, did your pastor speak about love and marriage today? Um, no, a little bit yesterday. Um, and not so much today, but we did go to a little seminar on Friday night where they spoke about love and and reuniting the things that you need to keep your marriage going. But um, just a, just a bit, yeah. I think he's, our pastor is more sensitive about everyone's feelings and what everyone could be going through. So mm-hmm. they didn't try to make it too couple oriented, but well, definitely he, about love. Right. Yes, and we did that. He did that also. Um, but he also said that we need to, if there's many marriages that are hanging by a thread that are hurting, and he says, I'm going to give you ten things, ten steps, that whether your spouse is home, whether your spouse is whatever, wherever your spouse is, and if you're not even barely making it, I want you to do this. And he gave a couple of stories that, you know, he used as illustrations that were very good, that if we, this one person, which I thought he was, you know, literally thinking of all our standards, if they would um, do what God tells us to do in the Bible, God will do the rest in changing um, everybody's heart. And he emphasized, you know, the children and everything. So, you know, I agree. Sandra and uh, Andy, how did your church do? Well, our pastor spoke on um, healing memories and how um, there are there are um, reactions that we have, and many times we don't realize why we react we react like we do, and uh, it could be things from our past and how. Uh, the Holy Spirit can, uh, if we ask him to bring up things that he wants to be brought up in his perfect time, and that he will heal those memories. Amen. And uh, so it was a great, great message. You know what? There is nothing, nothing the Lord cannot heal of the past that any of us have had. And there are many, many young couples and middle-aged couples now that are having that their parents may have been alcoholics, they may have been adulterers, they may have been um, had a lot of anger issues or abuse issues. Um, it could be any number of issues. And we do not have to follow the pathway and the paths of our parents, and we can be different, and our Lord can change our hearts, and we can have a very strong marriage and break the curse of divorce or separation or alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be. And I pray that for all of all of the standards children that are home and um, had this going on now. That's what you all are doing. We're standing and believing for God to change, and you're going to make the difference because of the cross and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go to prayer, and we're going to get started. 
Lord, we just praise you and thank you for everybody that is tuned in now, and we just thank you for them calling in. We pray more will call in. We pray, Lord, that you will touch and anoint Andy and Sandra and Vince and Pauline and sharing their testimony. And we pray that you will continue to guide us and direct us as you have us be able to share and, and teach that anyone can do this, that it's, it's following and picking up the cross and following our Lord Jesus Christ for God's best and for our marriages. And we just pray that you will just touch these, open these standards, ears to hear, their eyes to read the scriptures and, and to see the truth, and the truth will set them free. We pray that they, we will pray for all the children that are involved, that have been wounded or hurt because of one parent leaving and going the other way. And Lord, we pray that you will touch and heal all their wounded hearts. And may the ones that are rebelling and going into drugs or alcohol or sex, actual sexual activity right now, that you will block it, stop it, and bring them to their senses and bring them back home to be able to work with their parent that is standing and praying for restoration of their marriage and family. Lord, we know nothing is too hard for you, and we pray that you will give us the scriptures to use as examples and everything today, and we'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to open up with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I think I've used it in many times in our devotionals in the last two weeks, and I pray that everybody is getting it memorized because it's one scripture that we could memorize and put our spouse's name in it. I'm going to do only the short version of it right now. I'm just going to start with verse 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. And this is um, where a scripture that the Lord gave me when I started standing. And uh, he told me, I, needed, I said to the Lord, how can I love my uh, husband when he's unlovable right now with all he's doing? And he took me immediately to First um, Corinthians 13, 13, verse 4, and said to me, I want you to pray your names in that. And it was Bob and Charlene are patient. And uh, so love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And that is what one scripture that I prayed regularly with our names in it. And I know there are many people that have written us questions in the last couple of weeks because we did a question and answer telephone conference last week. And one of the things is the fruit of praying scriptures is my husband came home in two years, two and a half years after he was home and he wrote The Prodigals Do Come Home. He wrote uh, Days of Joy, question mark, question mark. And he wrote this book, um, which was for Christmas. And he, um, his outline of the chapters was 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. So it does, God does hear our prayers, and he does touch the spouses with our prayers and with scriptures. So, um, you know. And I just spoke the name, wrong name of Bob's book. I just realized I said it when I said it. I said it wrong. It was the 12 days of question mark, question mark. That is uh, on the First Corinthians 13 uh, verses, the chapters are. So welcome, Sandra and Andy. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you. And we would love to hear your testimony.
And Sandra, I think you've been chosen to start first because you were the stander. So tell us a little bit about you because I'm sure there's many people right on listening that do not know your story. Okay. Well, Charlene, we were, Andy and I were married uh, for 22 years, and uh, we thought we had a pretty good marriage. Um, but the last couple of years, uh, we had, Andy had taken a new job, and we had moved to another state. And we just kind of grew, grew apart, and we did not get into a church. We had good intentions but we kept putting it off each weekend and so I really believe because we weren't in a body of believers we weren't reading the word um, we were just drifting um, uh, away from the Lord not that he left us but we were drifting away from him and we were also drifting away from each other and I really believe that because we weren't close to the Lord in a church body that um, we were not sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we the flesh um, just started to rule and um, so we um, we just kind of did life and we were like I said we just started to drift apart and uh, uh, not really not noticing it um, until till after um, uh, Andy uh, told me he wanted a divorce and one day he came to me and he he told me that he said he did not love me anymore uh, that the uh, that he didn't really think he ever loved me that uh, we were probably in lust when we got married and any love for me had died his heart was dead to me he loved me uh, because I was um, the mother of our children but other than that his love had died and uh, I just I was shocked I, I was so I, I didn't see this coming at all and my whole world immediately was different and shattered and uh, God was so faithful I, I, I had known him and I just praise God that the Holy Spirit was um, was leading me by the hand back to my Lord. That um, I didn't go into drugs over this. I didn't go to another man. I I I. But I I went to um, I went to the Lord, and I'm just so grateful to the Lord for taking me by the hand and and just uh, moving me closer to him day by day through this. Uh, I had begged Andy for a second chance, and uh, but he was like a freight train with no brakes at that point. He had met someone else, and he had told me, he said, Sandra, I want to find happiness before I die. And our marriage was not very happy. We weren't thriving at all. Um, and uh, he said, I have to go down this road. I have to go down this road. And I know God will be with me, but I have to walk down this road. And I told him, I said, okay. I said, you walk down this road. I knew that he, there was no stopping him. And I said, Andy, I want you to know that when, you're, when you get to the end of the road, I will be there. Amen. 
and I didn't know really what I was saying, but I believe it was prophetic. Maybe a couple days after that, I was, I was, I was now getting into the Word, and I was reading in, um, in Psalms, and I came across Psalm 29, and the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And God is the one who implants the faith in our hearts to stand. We don't have to try to bicycle it up. But he's just, he implants it in our hearts. That's why it's so important to be in the Word. In Psalm 29, I read all the things that the voice of the Lord can do. It says that the voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. It thunders the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord can split the mighty cedars. It can shatter the cedars of Lebanon. It skips like a calf. He causes the mountains to skip like a calf. It strikes with lightning bolts. It makes the desert quake, and on and on. And I thought at that, when I finished reading that scripture, I said to the Lord, I said, God, if you can do this with just your voice, then surely you can heal my marriage. And I look back now, and I believe that that's when God planted faith in my heart to believe that he could heal my marriage. Little did I know it would take almost 11 years. But God was with me day by day. When I think I couldn't go on any longer, here would come an encouragement. He encouraged me through so many ways that we'll maybe get into a little later. So that's kind of, um, our girls were 20 and 21 at the time. They were devastated. Uh, but they prayed for us, and they they believed God, um, that God would, would restore our marriage. They had their doubts, as we all do, but they were, they were on our side. And uh, so that's kind of, that's, that's kind how of our you got standing. <laughs> that's how I got started standing. And one of the scriptures that uh, the Lord um, also shared with me, that something that I had done, uh, it says in Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman builds her house, a foolish woman tears down her house with her own hands. And I wrote in my Bible in 1903, I tore my house down, but God is building it back up on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And how I tore it down was I um, took my husband for granted and I um, didn't love him the way he, he wanted to be loved and needed to be loved. And then along came a woman. Satan had someone and uh, there for him that told him all the things that he wanted me to tell him and did for him, all the things that he desired for me to do as a wife. And so I realized that um, I played a big part in this also. It wasn't just Andy. And so I was able to go to the Lord and repent. And then we went on our journey together for the restoration of our marriage. Amen. Andy, we got to get you in here. <laughs> we got to get what happened. How, what happened? <laughs> uh, I, I've talked about this at length, all the causes and effects from my perspective uh, elsewhere and before. 
So I want to just briefly give your listener a real perspective of a prodigal. And by way of background, in 1974, I was born again and saved, so I belong to the Lord. And as Sandra mentioned, we'd been married for many years. We had two lovely daughters. But there came a moment in time after we had been separated for the better part of two years when we finally linked back up, uh, living clear across the country, where we just didn't connect well anymore. And so when I put Sandra away and I sinned and dismissed her and put her on a plane and sent her back, uh, I took up with another woman. And at that point in time, and this is very important for uh, all your standards to understand the prodigal if they belong to God you lose grace now right away from the start I went from a a life of being very well blessed I had a very good career Um, things were going along very positively and I had been enjoying you know a good professional life but at, at, at the very moment I left Uh, things started to deteriorate. Uh, To give you a perspective, what I said yesterday, then put Sandra away, and then said today the same thing, uh, you lose credibility. Your credibility is gone. My colleagues, the ripple effect through their spouses, all the things that I had done, had a very negative ripple effect. Now, in my case, I'm a very stubborn, bullheaded, and... uh, you know, focused and driven person. So I went down this road and deliberately chose to not listen to God talking to me. And God will chase you. Time went on. As time went on, my personal life deteriorated. So the louder God talked, the more I ran faster and farther away, and the deeper and poor my personal life became and I prolonged it for the better part of 10 11 years to the point where I really had to go to rock bottom and and just hit a wall where nothing was working out and I had to return to the Lord or die I was really that destitute I I'm not a person who gets depressed or feels depression to speak of but I did and I was at that point, and my daughters had uh, come to my rescue, and uh, they'd been prayer warriors faithfully. And then, well, the catalyst that really uh, brought me back, I didn't really know how to come back for the last couple of years. were very, very miserable. I didn't know how to get back on track and get out of the situation I had um, chosen to be in. And that was you married the other person. I had married the other person uh, and had been married now for a better part of uh, seven, uh, maybe eight years. And so we're living a life, but it's my personal life is completely deteriorated. I lost credibility in my profession. I lost, lost my standing, lost all my jobs. Um, I went from being a, a very successful uh, scientist and, and then uh, went in and finished up uh, as a professor and then uh, I just I couldn't stay in my profession anymore. God literally, I believe in reflection, took all that away from me and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't know now what to do. I'm I'm pretty much at a wit's end. I I have no no um I wasn't able to get a a, a decent paying job. I was reduced to seasonal work, which turned out to be very physical work, and was <laughs> I was underqualified for my physical labors. It, it really tore me down. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, my like I said, my personal depression was very very great and growing greater and uh, it took uh, the miracle of uh, something that uh, I haven't talked about before to any great extent was before I had met Sandra I had met another girl and we'd fathered I'd fathered a child with her in 1967 before Sandra and I married in 1968 well I didn't really pay attention or know much about this boy for 35 years and Sandra's got quite a testimony to tell you how that catalyzed the final step of where I just capitulated and said I'm going to surrender to God I'm going to come back I'm going to admit fault and I'm going to work on whatever it takes to do to get back right with God and then hopefully relink up with Sandra, which has been successful. I'll kind of leave it right there. Okay, and I'm going to just question you too, but Sandra, during the non-covenant marriage and during while he was there, you did not get to see, talk, or speak to your husband very frequently, did you? No. I would see him maybe once a year when he would um, fly out to see the kids on a birthday or a birth of a baby. Um, and I might have talked to him three or four times in the in the ten, ten plus years we were apart. Um, but in a way, it was a good thing because uh, it was I was kind of protecting my heart too. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I had. It was like the Lord said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give you any physical signs. I want you to walk this walk in faith with me. Mm-hmm. I am sufficient. I am sufficient to walk this, to, to take you through this. And I want you to trust me in all things. I do not want you to lean on anybody but me. Because your emotions will go up and down situations what you see will go up and down but I remain the same keep your focus on me that's how I felt Jesus was talking to me through those years and oh what a powerful statement you have just told everybody because we do not walk by sight we walk by faith in what our Lord has said so many people write us especially daily uh, questions and and uh, contact or prayers request. And one of their comments to me and, and to Bob has been for years, how can I stand? I'm so weary. I'm so tired. There's no evidence. Nothing is happening. My spouse is so hard-hearted. He's this. She's this. She's doing this. She's having a baby. I mean, all the Ishmael babies and all these different things, which has not changed God's purpose or plan in restoration of your marriage. They're just another mountain of circumstances that the ward is going to remove and say be gone in the name of Jesus in his perfect timing and that's what we want you to to understand Um, Sandra and Andy did not have that daily weekly 
having him come and see the kids every Wednesday night or every other weekend. This was not their lifestyle. That's not what happened with them. But Sandra had a very close walk with the Lord, and we're going to talk about that with both Pauline and, and uh, Sandra in a few minutes. But let me jump in and get Pauline ready to come on. But I want to read in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the ways of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat of the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. Into they, they do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to the, what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And I just believe if we could just get the Ten Commandments to be taught and be in, the, in all the different courthouses and everywhere else, if we could just get back to understanding that if we could tell everybody and teach them in school the Ten Commandments like we used to, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not murder, you know, do not... Um, do not have other false gods. I mean, over and over, take the Ten Commandments and honor your father and mother. If we could just apply them to our daily life, I believe we could have a revival in the United States and around the world because we would not be doing and thinking that there's no consequences. And that's what our, our society back 25 years ago, at least when I started the divorce and, and we had our marriage problems, they were saying, and, and it started then, and it's only continued now to where the church now has 50% divorce rate, is that um, there's no consequences. We can go on and do this. There's not consequences to it. And that's not what the Word says. So anyway, so we want you, your standard to believe God's Word and to stand on the promises of God because God can do anything. Nothing is too hard. Just read the Bible and you will know that there may be a circumstance that seems impossible, but at the last minute, the Lord will come through and, and will move the mountain of circumstances or bring in a truth and uh, rescue his uh, chosen ones. So, but, and I'm going to clarify this right now, if your spouse doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that does not mean that God isn't talking to them or isn't telling them to come home, but it is what you need to do is pray for their salvation and pray that they will humble themselves before the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am still praying for several members of my family right now, and that's what you've got to understand. This is an assignment for us, for all of us, is that we're to seek and save the lost and, and to grow, proclaim 
go and proclaim it for other people to know the Lord Jesus Christ until our Lord returns or until we meet the Lord at an appointed time as Bob. But Lori, we're so glad to have um, Sandra and Andy share their testimony up to this point, but now we want to hear about Pauline and Vince and having a restored marriage. And we first got to find out about you guys and how long you've been married and everything. So Pauline, open up, and then we'll let Vince take over as, as, uh, as Andy did. Well, um, Vince and I, praise the Lord, will be celebrating our 20th year of marriage this year. And um, everything really began about 10 years ago. But when Vince and I met initially, I was so excited about him because he was my first boyfriend that actually knew the Lord and wanted to talk about the Lord all the time. And, and that it really helped to bond us together. And I remember just having having a hard time with school and um, he gave me texts and you know uh, verses from the Bible to stand on in order to, to keep my mind focused on the Lord in, in order to do my very best in school and, and I just loved loved that about him that um, he knew the Lord so we we got married and had what I felt was 10 years of absolute wedded bliss um, we just enjoyed each other we were um, really committed, and uh, and then about the tenth year, um, something just didn't it didn't it didn't feel right. Something felt differently with our relationship, and um, at that point, um, I, I felt a, a distance, like a chasm was starting to grow between us, and. Um, uh, I don't know. It just it just felt very different. And um, then we found out there was a, another person. And uh, Vin said that he was he did love me. He always wanted to let me know that he did love me very much, but he didn't know how to be a good husband. And of course, I, at first I, I I didn't understand that. And you know, with, I, I I just didn't know how to accept that. Because if you love me, then you would just love me. But um, I think he was trying to explain things to me and tell me things that, but I wasn't listening. And um, uh, I remember uh, reading in the Bible. We both belonged to a body, uh, a church body, and we went regularly to church and and we were involved with church. But I, I feel we were still we didn't really have that one-on-one. -on -one relationship with the Lord where we were cultivating it. We were really going through the motions of being in church and enjoying being in church, but not actually cultivating that one-on-one um, -on -one relationship with God. And um, after a while, when I could see that he was not a bit dissatisfied, um, I started really reading my word and um, getting into the, into the word and, and crying out to God, help help us we don't, I don't understand what's going on here and I remember reading about Lazarus and it said that Jesus waited a while to go and, and see Lazarus his best friend and when, when he got there it said that Lazarus' body stinketh and that word just jumped out at me in the Bible and I think this was the beginning of um, what Charlene you you know, you, you taught us was Rima word, 
when things would just leap out at the Bible mm -hmm. to you, and you knew that you knew that it was for you. Right. And that was my first Rima word. I knew that I knew that that was for me. And, and he was telling me that although our marriage seemed to be, you know, thinking or it's thinking at that time, um, he would raise our marriage from the dead like he raised Lazarus from the dead. And I, and I hung on to that. And um, later on, Vince told me that, you know, he wanted to um, get a divorce. And, of course, I first started with trying to change myself and make myself into the person that I think he wanted. But he still insisted that he wasn't, he wasn't happy. And um, I realized that afterwards that I had really taken him for granted. Um, just, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to be. You're my husband. And, and not, like, like Sandra said, told him the things that he needed to hear or um, express myself. I just knew that he was a, a nice guy, a good guy. And, you know, I was fortunate to, to, to have him as my husband, but I didn't really show him. Um, I wasn't the wife that he needed me to be and that God wanted me to be. So I, I remember we would go through, you know, the, the arguments and whatever, and I, and I called out to the Lord and I said, if you really want me to stay in this marriage, you have to tell me something now. I'm sorry, but sometimes I get like that. With the yeah, Lord. you're not by yourself. I'm sure there's <laughs> very many that are saying that. I know what you mean, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. And I opened, I just opened my Bible and I came to um, Romans 8.28. And it said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that who are called according to his purpose. And I knew that everything would work out regardless of what the circumstances looked like, everything would work out. And, we, you know, I heard about Rejoice Ministries through um, um, uh, uh, my husband's um, cousin, and after that I understood what standing was and that it didn't matter about circumstances and um, that I was just to look to the Lord and he would be my one and only. Vince did move away for about 14 months, and at that point, um, again, Rima Word came to me through reading the Word, and the Lord brought me to Isaiah 54, 5, where he said, For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And again, I knew that this was for me, because at the beginning of that chapter, it says, um, Sing, O barren. Thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. And I knew that that was for me because we don't have children. And so I, I felt that the Lord was saying, I am specifically speaking to you, Pauline. Sing because it, everything's going to be fine because I am your husband for this season. And I read through the rest of 54 and I felt such amazing love from the Lord. He just felt like he cupped my hands in his, cupped my face in his hands and was just telling me, this is my love letter to you. And I, I felt such a peace. And so knowing that, I was able to um, use God's word to stand for the marriage. And Charlene, you told us to um, pray scripture prayers. Amen. And, and um, you know, I, I realized that that's what I needed to do. And I did do that. And, and then with Bob's, I just devoured all the books. 
I'm a reader, so that was a great part of the ministry for me. And Bob saying, you know, how he was feeling as a prodigal really gave me insight into what was going on with my husband and that I should understand where he's coming from. And it wasn't all about me, but it was about um, us and um, and I should understand. And I remember um, Charlene, you saying that you would be waiting for him until you were in the, you know, in the rocking chair. Eighty years old in the rocking chair. <laughs> and so um, I remember that. And, you know, even though Vince was away, he would he would still call me every morning and want to pray with me. Wow. Every single morning, he never missed a morning. He never missed a morning. And sometimes I would cry, why is he calling me, Lord? I want him to pray for me. And God would say, let him pray for you. I that is a huge pray praise. You. I know all these people are going to start praying for their spouse to call and pray for them in the morning. That would be awesome. <laughs> that is what a blessing that was. Boy, I don't think I, you ever told me that. I don't remember that, but oh. that is awesome. <laughs> That, that's that double-mindedness, and that shows you, um, and I want to clarify this right now, it's not the badness of Bob, it's not the badness of Vince, it's not the badness of Andy or any spouse, husband or wife. This in Ephesians 6, um, as you all know about the armor of God, I hope you do know about the armor of God, but we need you all to understand this is a spiritual battle that starts in uh, Genesis with Eve and the enemy and Satan, and then it goes on throughout the whole new, whole Bible. But in uh, Ephesians 6, it says, um, finally be, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, and this is the important verse, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against your husband or wife or child, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth, and it goes on with the... Um, armor of God so you know you, just to show you uh, his double mindedness at that moment he was still being obedient and calling you wow that is an awesome testimony and him being away and uh, and saying and doing all those things is that was not him speaking as much as the enemy speaking through him so what a praise so we're going to let uh, Vince come in now all right Hi, Vince. We're thrilled to have you tonight. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I guess my story uh, began long before I met Pauline. Um, I didn't see my family as dysfunctional, but I guess we I did come from somewhat of a dysfunctional family where uh, I witnessed um, my dad, I guess, a prodigal in his own right, um, you know, uh, go through um, different things and end up leaving my mom. I saw my sister go through it. Uh, my older sister, she went through a, a divorce for um, an adulterous hus husband. And uh, so when I was prepared to enter my marriage, I said this would 
something that I definitely wasn't going to have in my life. And I went in with that mindset, but um, I wasn't able to to uh, live that, live that, live through that part of my life. Because sure enough, as soon as um, I got married, the devil just started coming after me. When I met Pauline, we dated for four years and then married, and I knew she was um, definitely the most beautiful woman I had ever. I had ever dated, and I wanted her to be the mother of my children and my companion. We spent a lot of time together, and we were were very compatible. And I loved her very much. I still love her, of course. Um, but for some reason, uh, I allowed um, the perversion of, of of the flesh to. To, to get involved in my in my in my life, and I and I what started as a very small portion of it just uh, became a, a raging fire in me. I um, uh, secretly, you know, started an adulterous relationship, and um, would off and on be involved in that, and then. It finally reached ahead um, when I felt that this uh, sinful relationship was something that was right, and that's when I felt like I needed to move out and um, experience what I felt would be happiness. Um, I was somewhat torn because uh, despite, despite my family being dysfunctional, we were all Christians, and so I was born in Christian and and tried to maintain a stronghold in the church, but um, still had this other part of me um, pulling me the other way. So uh, I remember struggling because the guilt that I had or the feelings that I had were not only uh, guilt towards my wife, but a guilt towards my to to God. So it was almost uh, double. When I finally decided to um, to move out, I had about two months of what I thought was happiness, and then about uh, another year of uh, just uh, difficulty. Um, the flesh just kind of took over, took me over. I maintained my job, and I was able to function at a moderate level, but not a high level, um, because of um, because my thoughts just couldn't stay focused, and all I thought about was was my flesh. Mm-hmm. You're right. And um, what I thought was a relationship was not. Very fulfill. What I thought was going to be a good relationship turned out to not be very fulfilling, and and then I guess everything just became a perversion for me, and I sunk down to a point where I had actually thought that um, the Holy Spirit had left me, and that's a frightening. That's a frightening point. Because yes, you, it is. You feel. 
that you've done so much wrong that God isn't isn't speaking to you anymore. You're not even hearing, and He's just basically said, "Forget you. Um, you're, you know, I don't have anything left for you." And um, you know that was from a culmination of a number of bad decisions and uh, sinful acts that I that I had done. And originally, I had felt that. Uh, I didn't know, you know, what to really do at that point. How was I going to restore myself? But I began uh, praying, and um, like Pauline said, I, I maintained prayer for her because I wanted to make sure that uh, despite my bad decisions, uh, nothing would... I, I, I wanted to feel like uh, God was not... I, well, I felt that God wasn't going to punish her, but I wanted to make sure that there was nothing that would harm her despite my my own uh, issues and um, slowly but surely the, the Lord led me back home originally I had said I, I came home because I ran out of money <laughs> maintaining uh, two households my single apartment as well as my household here um, but I, don't know, I think it was really the Lord that was um, bringing me back home. The Lord brought you back home by pushing maybe those circumstances to you to get you to have to make that decision to come home. Yes, yes. Um, I, I can empathize with that. No, that's awesome. Uh, I've, um, you know, Pauline played a, a big part in allowing me to come back home uh, uh, gradually and and has continued to play a big part in uh, praying for me because I think what people have to understand is that you know as as a prodigal allows the flesh and everything within them gets to a point to where they decide to leave uh, that's when the devil really has you and is taking you down a pretty pretty bad path but when you decide to come back home, it's like he gets mad at you and he comes at you even more mm -hmm. because now he has to get you back out of the house. And so the same things that were driving you to leave, you know, they just don't seem to go away. And so that's when the real struggle starts, and that's when you have to pray even more because, uh, because he won't leave you alone. And um, you just have to continue to fight and, like you say, put on that armor. You know, and that's, that is a good point, and I'm sure Andy can vouch to that also, but the process of coming home, there is a process. And, and so many of the husbands and wives, that when they come home, the spouse that's standing is praying that they're going to come home, singing the praises of God, and and that they've just made this total commitment to them, but they don't know that there is a tug of war between darkness and light for your life and your soul. And that is exactly what you're going through when you come back into that house. And there, if, if there's any more thing we need to do when standards have their spouse walked back in their home is pray like never before. And as I said, you should never stop praying, praying scriptures, interceding. 
You're going to be praying different types of scriptures for different years, for different things. When your children get to be teenagers, you're going to be praying different ways. But, you know, we're going to be praying for finances or health issues or um, unemployment or what, um, properties or whatever it is. But, you know, we have got to understand that there is a battle that is going to be going on for the rest of our life. Our pastor literally, when he renewed their wedding vows, he said, and we're going to pray for God's divine protection for every one of these marriages, including mine, as mine is at, is, is at, at a risk every time, all the time, as I continue to speak God's word and proclaim the truth about marriage, about marriages, the importance of marriages. And we've got to understand that. The enemy doesn't want us to be teaching and, and sharing the power of God in marriage restoration. So, or that marriage is permanent. It's, it's a covenant. It's one flesh. Our wedding vows are for life. So, you know, you made a very, very powerful point that you, re you felt that, that uh, pull back and forth. And it is a battle until you surrender to the Lord and say, Satan, get away from me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I guess that is what you have accomplished. Now, that, how long have you been back together now? Um, I came back in February uh, 2007 and um, had some trouble since I've come back, but the incidences of trouble are, are decreasing and, and they're less frequent. So. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. And you know what? That just shows how important that we have to continue to pray that your mind would be renewed, that you will grow in the Lord and in the Word, and the Word would uh, cleanse you from all of your impurities and give you the mind of Christ and that you will not be tempted to be go back that way. And you know what? We're all going to be tempted. We're all going to be tempted to think or do things that are not Christ-like, but we've got to pray every day. I surrender all, and I want to be more Christ-like. And uh, Andy, how did you do that? You had an unusual situation. You had been gone, was it, over 10, 11 years, and you met with the pastor, and how did the pastor, uh, what did he suggest you to do, and how did you... How have you walked the walk of uh, getting victory over the flesh uh, from the other person? I mean, some people, I can tell you, is you may not have had it, but there are other spouses or girlfriends. Uh, there are with Vince, I don't know, but we have many people that have the other person keep trying to contact them. I know Bob had um, trials of instances with that and for many different reasons. And Bob finally was, went to a counselor because he thought he couldn't do it. He could not get over thinking about her, and she kept coming back around. And the uh, counselor told Bob six months after he had been home, he says, I want you to have no contact, no communication, regardless of what, if, if there was a horrible accident, you are not part of her life, and you need to sever all, don't worry about his, her kids, you know, you're not responsible for anything. You are, you're married, and you have three children of your own. You do not worry about that. And he says, I want to sever all communication for six months totally. And, uh, and he says, and after six months, I believe you will see that if you surrender everything to the Lord and just keep your eyes focused on your wife and children, um, you can get victory 
over the temptations of going backwards to that other home. And uh, he did get victory that way. And Bob wrote a book, Finding um, the Way Home. He wrote it two years ago, and that was one of the books he thought he was, um, at that moment, he had another crisis of illness, and he thought that was going to be his last book. But he shared everything. Of, of, And we pray, and I pray you all will pray, that Finding the Way Home will get into the standards, to the standards husband or wife that is in the far country of battling the temptations of the, and you all have said it, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. And that's where the Satan hits us in any area of those um, areas. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, uh, and we, God is greater, you know, but we have to say no to the flesh. And we have to crucify it. And it's a daily, hourly crucifixion of saying, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to touch the computer. And if we have pornography, which some of our spouses have had trouble with, you may have to have no computer in the house. You know, there may be extremes, but you know what? We may have to have accountability with our spouse, which Bob did. He says, if I have any communication, if she ever calls or anything, I'm going to tell you. And there would be times he would say, I've got to tell you something. And I would have the choice of rising up in anger or forgive him and pray for him and walk through it. And that's what I chose to do because I wanted my husband home permanently and forever. Andy, can you sort of tell us, a little bit how you got through that? I have a little bit different experience than uh, perhaps what you're speaking of there. In uh, January of uh, 2003, I had occasion, and Sonder can elaborate on that if uh, time permits, um, where I was sitting in her residence where she was staying and all of my family got together and I was meeting my 35 year old son for the first time since he was in diapers and and he was in turn meeting me and also his two sisters and there was a family aura that was right there and I was at the very bottom of my own personal depressions but suddenly I was thrust into this uh incredible experience of family and for the first time in the better part of two years I felt good and I felt whole and I said this is this is really where I belong on my trip back to where I was living with my uh, other woman my wife at the time um, that very night that I landed and we talked we agreed mutually to a divorce. And so it was just a matter of, for the two of us, to fill out paperwork, and two months later that divorce was final. And so, in essence, I started a 14-month trek back to where I was restored and married to Sandra. And during the course of that time, um, in March of 2003, I left and, and, and spent the next six months living with my brother and. Uh, you know, in a very uh, kind of an inter intermediate house, uh, kind of a you know, I'm 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 away. I'm in a neutral territory. I was very reflective, very contemplative, and very much thinking about uh, you know, the, God's called me back. I've got to get back to my family. 
Uh, I don't know where it's going to lead between Sandra and I, but I'm definitely on my way home because I really liked seeing this family environment. And the, the, we, we get all the way up to about July of 2003, and I'm still at my brother's place. We took a trip out to here in the northwest where Sandra was and the rest of my family, and that's when Sandra and I uh, sat down and I confessed to Sandra and chatted with her, and we kind of reconciled, and suddenly my whole spirit was brightened, and then uh, subsequently in September I moved back permanently here, and I stayed with one of my daughters, and during the course of this I went through um, the church that Sandra was uh, attending and was actually a staff member of at the time and I asked to pray with uh, her covering pastor and you know I wanted to repent I wanted to get right with God I just made you know now I'm making good choices again as it were and I'll do whatever it takes you tell me what to do I'm surrendered uh, and so what began at that point in time in September of 2003 was a nine-month uh, intensive counseling with a pastor friend whom I had the acquaintance with for over 30 years. Um, and to, to make a short story long, I'm, I'll go on and say we still meet regularly about once a week um, at this point in time just what we call uh, uh, an LTG, what are they? What? Life Transforming. Oh, it's a Life Transformation Group. Well, this is the two of us going from a time of being intensely in counsel with him uh, all these many years since 2003 up to this point in time. We still meet and we're very good friends and we hold we hold each other accountable. We've We've become you know, nurturing spirits to one another in a in a very uh, godlike setting. So altogether, it took about 14 months from the time I made a deliberate choice to just completely surrender and now grit my teeth and, and do whatever it took to move back with a commitment and obedience to getting right with God. I didn't waffle. I didn't... Uh, um, jump around. I, I deliberately worked at it in a very much obedient way. Some days were better than others, but when the days were tough, I just hung on to obedience in God's Word. And things just got better and better and better in that Praise surrender and that walk. And I think your obedience to the mentoring and that having accountability and having that one-on-one -on -one is very unusual. You were very blessed to have a man of God be willing to do that and still do it. It is not uh, quite the norm, but it's certainly something that um, I would suggest that everybody would pray that the Lord would bring somebody into your spouse's life to have that happen. Pray for that. Pray for another somebody to be a mentor, a prayer partner, whatever. If there is a special book, um, I had the Builder's Guide was uh, a book that I had read. It was very powerful at that time, 25 years ago. And uh, I prayed that Bob would read that book. And he had, the, had another, he went to a pastor 
and said, I'm uh, bringing to, I was driving two hours to go see him on weekends when God was really dealing with him. And the weekend she was having the children, he would call me up to come up and see him. And I know many of you would say, well, why would you go? And I said, because I'm the wife. <laughs> and if my husband said, I'd like to have you come up and see me, I'm going. And that's the way the Lord told me to love him unconditionally and to forgive him each and every day for what he had been doing or was doing. And uh, literally, Bob was in such a torment and such confusion, so double-minded. He would take to church one week the other person and take me to church the next week. And finally, he went to the pastor and says, I don't know what you know what's going on, but my wife is standing and praying for me, and I don't know what to do. Well, praise the Lord, God was so faithful to my praying that the Holy Spirit and Bob would go to a man of God that would share God's truth, the Word. And he opened up the Bible and he read scriptures and he says, you've got no choice. You are married for life. You need to go back home. And he did not jump into, oh, okay, great, and got back in the car and come home. He didn't do that. But he received the news, and then we waited another few more months before it happened. But I'm telling you, if you you know you ask, seek, and knock, and you've got to pray specifically, and then we've got to pray, you know, wanting to uh, pray the word of God. I just can't emphasize that enough, Sandra. I'm going to bring you back in because I know I want you to tell the story. You actually had a huge family restoration and reconciliation not just of your husband, but of a son that was out of wedlock that you you knew about but really didn't know about or have any relationship, never seen, never heard, never talked about. Did your children even know that before um, while they were while you guys grew up, I mean, when the children grew up, was that ever mentioned? No, we never mentioned it. I thought so. No. So this is this is the past of him before your marriage, and all of a sudden God moved. Um, and this is part of the restoration process that the Lord used to touch Andy's heart. Mm -hmm. But can you share briefly how you met him and how that even transpired? Because yeah. I think we've got to pray, and I know we're really getting late, but we've got to pray that um, just briefly show the power of God in restoring this one man to to you and to your family. Uh, son. Like Andy said, uh, I was on staff at my church, and one of my um, my duties was to oversee our church's food bank. And I have several volunteers, and uh, one day uh, a young couple came and asked if they could volunteer, and I said, well, sure. And I got to know them. After about a month and a half, we just really um, formed a bond, and they just had great hearts. And uh, one day uh, they came to me and started asking me questions of where was I married, what was my married name, and and I shared very briefly with them that um, I was standing for my marriage and how God had spoken to me. And Thad, uh, uh, the uh, young man, looked at me and he said, Is Andy saved? And I said, How do you know my husband's name? How do you know him? And Because um, he, even though we were divorced 
and he had remarried, he was never my ex-husband in my heart. He was always my husband. And I said, how do you know my husband's name? And he said, is he saved? And I said, yes, but how do you know him? And I thought, you're just too young to have known him, to have worked with him. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, I'm his son. And how that all came about is that Thad and his mother and Thad's wife, they all had been going to the same church that I had been going to for the last seven years. And his mother saw a picture of me on the um, bulletin board. They had pictures of all the staff. She didn't recognize my, my, my picture, but she recognized the name, Sandra, and my last name. And she remembered the name of the girl that Andy had married all those years back. She kept track, uh, I guess, of who he, Andy had married. And so she went to Thad and she said, I think you might be volunteering for your husband or your father's wife. And all these years, Thad's mom had prayed that one day he would meet his father. And so Thad and Pam, his wife, said, no way. No, that can't be. Well, would you please just ask her? Okay. So that's when they asked me. Now, years prior to this, we had received a phone call. And uh, and I had taken the call, and it was it was bad. Now I know it was bad. And he it was a young man. He said, "I'm I'm Andy's son. I want to meet him." And so I took his name and his number, or his number, and uh, told Andy. And they Andy called him, and they had a time where they were going to meet. Andy showed up, but Thad never showed up. And so when I met Thad for that first time, I said, "Thad." You called me. You called me in the 1980s. That was you. He said, yes. I said, well, Andy, Andy, uh, Andy uh, uh, was there to meet you, but you never showed up. Why? He said, I was incarcerated and went to jail for eight years that day. And he found God in jail. Mm. And he is now a changed man. So it's quite a story, and we realized that there was some unfinished business that had to be done that God wanted to finish uh, before we ever got married. How the Lord weaves and how the Lord works out to bringing all the families back together again and how he can get even men and women that make mistakes and get them saved. And we have people in jail and people that are just you know, it re- really heavy into to rebelling against God. The parents and the husbands and wives who are praying for them or the mothers and fathers who are praying for their children's marriages or uh, their grandchildren, please use all of this as such hope for you mm-hmm. to never doubt what God can do of restoring and, and bringing everything back together and putting the whole puzzle back together again to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to tell you, that just thrills my heart because I've heard this story before and it just gives me all the praise and the glory. But I want to be practical for the last few minutes because we're running out of time. This is always the fastest time. But I'm going to talk to maybe Sandra and uh, Pauline because I've got, I want to just read um, 
a couple of comments from the question and answers that we had the other night. And I just want to have you all briefly give um, one sentence, two sentence answers. But this one person wrote and said, I'm losing hope because I'm seeing no signs that, that my spouse is changing or if there's any hope in our marriage. I'm discouraged and I therefore don't pray as often as I should. Um, what it, it, let me read that one, then I'll read, an, I'll read two or three, and then you all can just summarize something, what you feel led to share. Sometimes I forget to pray about restoration of my marriage, even though I want it very badly. Is this normal? And she goes back about how bad the situation is, um, but she you know, feels like she's supposed to move on, but then she can't, and so forth. And then the other one says, um, how do I continue the strength to stand? The ironic aspect is God must have a barrier around me for this reason because no guy's ever tried to call or date me. So I'm growing weary and I've been asking for strength daily and spiritual wisdom, but I also feel at my wit's end. And, um, and at this time, I have no sign to see that, um, that there's any hope. And then another one is I've been standing for over 10 years and my spouse lived with the other person. Um, and he broke off the relationship, but now recently he met somebody for three months and then he married her. Is this still adultery? And should I continue standing? And I think Andy and Sandra's um, testimony already has answered that question. But um, Pauline, I'm going to let you go first. How do you? How did you stand? How do you uh, help pray and keep your eyes focused? How did you do it? And uh, did you consider, are you being tempted or were you being tempted uh, to give up and how did you learn to understand that this is a spiritual battle and we're in it for life? Um, I, I, many times I was tempted to give up, especially when the circumstances didn't seem that it was going along the path of restoration visually. Um, and, and, and sometimes if I would speak to other people, they would say, you know, just move on. It just doesn't make sense. And, uh, but then the Holy Spirit would somehow come in and convict me. There would be a little gnawing feeling, and, and um, I would know that it didn't feel right to do that. It just didn't feel right. Um, I, I just kept, if, if something came to my mind, I, I would try to, um, like you, you advise us, um, Charlene, to to use the word, to use the word. Pray the word of God. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I, a lot of times I was in the shower. That's when things would attack, and uh, I would say, um, I remember not the former things, nor do I consider the things of old. Mm -hmm. I would just keep saying that over and over again because the enemy would try and fire the fiery darts mm -hmm. at my at my mind to remember things or things would come up to me, conversations, and I would have to literally scream that out and then after a while you don't even realize it, but you're thinking about something else. You're but right. You're right. You know, praise defeats the enemy mm -hmm. and uh, let me read a scripture and then Sandra, I'm going to let you um, also answer that because I know you and I talked about this yesterday, but um, it's Philippians chapter 4 says in this is where our ministry's name came from, but you, I had a battle. I was, I felt like an up and down EKG, and I worked for a cardiologist. Uh, 
like you said, the up and down emotions that you feel and, and the, the signs that you saw nothing but just getting worse because Bob was planning a wedding and everything. But in Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And that covers all. Anything covers everything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to seek God's peace. Mm -hmm. We need to seek the peace of God each and every day because there is peace. Mm -hmm. The Lord is peace. And there's so many scriptures about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and look up the word peace and look up the scriptures. And then, then it goes on about the mind. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever ever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you think or receive or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So the secret is, is, is we've got to go back to, we've got to think about the good and not the bad. And when the enemy starts to give you all those negative thoughts, take control and in 2 Corinthians um, 10 and go into our website just put in these different words into Charlene Cares and do a search because you can pull up all these different scriptures and all these different stories and all the devotionals and it will help you But because we can't teach you all these scriptures tonight but there is weapons that are for warfare that we are to use and we need to use them and uh, so um, let me turn to get Sandra, how did you do it? How did you how did you stand for ten years and and not have communication with your spouse? Mm -hmm. What was the secret that you feel the Lord gave you the most? Well, I it was a day by day process, and mm -hmm. I had no idea it was going to take ten years. You're right, and it's That's a good it. thing that God doesn't tell us the future because we'd probably walk away. <laughs> And you, you want to say, God, when is this going to be over? And he'll say, when you, run, when you pass the finish line. Amen. And only he knows when that finish line is. And I guess I got to the point where I had read the word enough, where, um, especially in the Old Testament, seeing how God um, deals with his people and trusting his character um, enough and, and really coming to know that he really did love me and that I could just surrender Andy totally to him. I was afraid to totally surrender Andy to him because I was afraid he wasn't going to give him back to me. Mm -hmm. But I came to the point where I could. And I think that there was peace that happened. I know there was peace that happened at that point. But um, I guess I would say... Um, it was um, just abandoning myself to the Lord, uh, uh, clinging on to His Word with with all my might. And uh, the Word, a pastor once said, is like a lung. It's living and breathing. And uh, the Word was so important to me. I, I just uh, I, I, uh, stood on the Word. And there would be times when... Um, I couldn't even get up in the morning. I was so depressed. And what I did was I took Abby machine tape and probably around 9 or 10 feet of, of uh, I would write scriptures that meant a lot to me, that was encouraging to me. Um, like, but I am trusting you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. 
take courage and and if you are depending on the Lord Psalm 31 14 and 21 and I could go on and on but I would tack those on my walls in my bedroom and on the ceiling and so when I opened my eyes I I, I saw the word immediately and strength came into me I know it is it is powerful and I experienced that and uh, I would I would ask God, I said, God, um, I will walk this walk, but you must encourage me because I, because I cannot do it on my own. And it's like he said, I know you can't do it on your own. I will be there when you need me. And he was there time after time through the word. He would use license plates. He would use billboards. <laughs> he would use covenant transport on, on um, uh, semi-trucks. Uh, he would use other people speaking into my life. Uh, so many different things. Uh, I used to walk a lot. And he shared with me how much he loved me. He said, Sandra, you see all the dead birds that, that you see while you're walking? And I said, yes. I, there were dead birds all over the place, the place where I walked. He said, you know, I saw every bird that fell. And don't you know that if I see a bird that falls and cares, how much more do I care and love you? So every time I saw a dead bird when I walked, I thought, oh, God, thank you that you love me so much. There were times when the pain was bigger than God. It was much bigger than God. And I would just put on a tape, a praise tape, Mm -hmm. one of my pastor's tape, and start walking. And by the end of the walk, I was, uh, my heart was lifted and so I I guess I would have to say I just clung on to the word there'd be times when I just open the Bible and just press it to my chest I just I said Jesus I need you so much I need you so much Um, I I lost myself in praise and worship that was like an oasis and it was healing as I worshiped the Holy Spirit did something inside of me healed my heart I prayed the word Pray, praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and reading the Word. Pray and, the Word, And yeah. stand on the promises of God. Absolutely. Your standards stand on the promises of God. And well, journaling. <laughs> we're, we're almost near the end, and I want, we have to pray at the end. We, okay. Um, but I do, Vince, I want you, if you were to stand and had somebody, you were in our house, and a stander came in, or another man that, or a woman who was a prodigal uh, that were in the situation you were in and you were going back and forth and you know what you wanted but you just had the battle of the enemy coming against you. What would you say to them? What would be your suggestion of how to come home or how to stand, be the stander? What would you say to them? You know how you, your heart's changed and everything. Um, what, what would, you, what would their, your suggestions be? Well, I would say that, um, to the stander, I would say to not stop praying uh, for that person, for the for the spouse, um, because uh, that's very important. Um, the prodigal person, you know, is going to go through a lot, and I think it's really only the prayers of the spouse and probably family and maybe some friends True. loved ones You're that right. keep them from going to the lowest point that's possible. So Never my, stop praying. Amen. Yeah, my valley was low, but I 
believe that the only thing that kept it from going lower was the prayers of uh, you know Pauline and other loved ones. I agree. Oh, so I agree. I, I would definitely it. say uh, continue to pray and for the for the prodigal. And uh, in speaking to the prodigal, I, I would say that um, become honest with yourself and you know understanding what shortcomings you have. I mean, if you don't know where your weakness is, then you won't know how to protect against it. And I, I, I understood where my weakness was, and, and the Lord showed me where I need to be better and, you know, and, and have proper boundaries and, you know, keep people away from me and, you know, that may have ideas of, of things that wouldn't be beneficial to my marriage. And, and so... I think once you know where your where your problem lies and the role that you played in making a lot of bad decisions, then you're able to to ask the Lord to help you guard against it. So, and to make the changes that need to be made. Right. Until you see it and understand yourself, and have Him reveal Himself, reveal your weaknesses, then then He can help strengthen you in those exact areas. Amen. Well, powerful words. Good, good suggestions. Good, good words. Yeah. And Andy, what would you say to them? I uh, <clears throat> well, actually, Sandra and I have had occasion where we have used our experience to minister in our local church. Um, I think the most important thing to say is um, what. Sandra did was she stood with class for all those years mm. and without um, wanting to get revenge uh, when a prodigal is going to come back uh, it's very important that you don't hammer him over the head with uh, a reminder and but I guess what I would say is if I'm talking to a prodigal I'll say this is going to end badly for you and it, and you'll go deeper and deeper and deeper the farther and faster you run because you're making choices that have terrible um, impact and effect. Sandra learned something uh, something to the effect that a divorce and things like that if not don't affect just two people it's more like 250 people. Mm -hmm. Right. Those kind of things. When I get a chance to talk to people about this, I, I'm I don't do political correctness. I speak right straight at them and say, um, you, "Mr. Prodigal, this is your situation, and this is what you can expect." Now, for the stander, um, I'm offering this as encouragement because the more you pray. The, the more that prodigal is being prodded to hear the Lord's voice. And the louder he speaks, there comes a point where you can't shut him out anymore you, because you're either depressed and or the noise is so dinning that you, uh, you've you got to make another choice. It, it's You'll surrender eventually. Amen. Amen. True. That's what I say. That's good. That's awesome. Well, let's close. You guys both did awesome in sharing that and and the the consequences of 
living uh, on the road to destruction is, is spiritual death and, and it has severe consequences as we read in the Bible. And that's why all the men and women around the world and family members, parents on probably many sides that we don't even know about are praying that God would just mm -hmm. stop the situation and turn it around and bring the spouse or the children back home and, and heal the wounded children and, and all the many family members. And it, because of the impact of all the people you do know, it, it does affect a lot of people that you have no idea. And we are now, and Pauline and, and Vince and, and you both are lighthouses, Bob and I have been lighthouses, and you can be a lighthouse to your standard right now while you're praying and you can stop divorce with people that are even thinking and talking about it right now because you can share um, so many things that you've learned and, uh, and give hope and help to these people. Um, that's what this ministry is all about. You know, that's why if I could put a, a billboard in every city, in every state around the world, I'd, we'd be doing it because we need to proclaim God is the God of restoration. God, it can heal hurting and dead marriages and there is hope because God is the God of, of the impossible and he's the God of miracles. And we just praise you. So we just want everybody to pray very short sentence prayer of something that you really want to feel led to uh, the Lord to pray about. And then we're going to close with Tim opening up, and we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer in the end. And thank you so much, Sandra, Andy, and uh, Pauline, and Vince for sharing from your heart and telling things that have never been told, as you all have done and been so open and transparent. And I know that um, the Lord will bless you, and God is greater than any uh, enemy, and you, are, you have helped so many people. And Tim just walked in just a moment ago, and we have 235 people on listening, and it's the highest that we've ever had on our phones. So we just praise the Lord for all these people who are wanting to hear about the power of God and the love that he has. God loves you, everybody, and uh, he's wanting to restore your marriage. And now let's just, everybody, uh, just pray one sentence or so briefly, and I'm going to close. Uh, Andy, would you start? Heavenly Father, may the ministry that you've caused to have happen here be a blessing and speak into the hearts of all the listeners. Mm -hmm. We just trust that the Holy Spirit will descend and take charge at this moment and uh, lift and place faith and hope in, in all of the listeners' hearts. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I just pray that you would give every standard encouragement, God, every time they need it, Father. Just let them know that you're there for them. Let, just let guide them into your word, Father. Speak to them through your word, God. Bless them. Um, just bless them and thank you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would be with every sender, that you would help them um, in, in mighty and wondrous ways above and beyond mm -hmm. what they would even ask mm -hmm. or think in order to help them to be the standards that you want them to be. And I pray that, that each standard would seek you first mm -hmm. um, and, and, and know you and love you more than anything in their whole life and know that you would be the way for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 And dear Lord, we thank you for your everlasting grace and mercy and your love that extends to not only the standards but the prodigals be with all mm -hmm. of the people trying to work through the turmoils 
Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we do praise you and thank you for all of these people, their words, and how they've spoken nuggets of gold uh, to the standards about the word of God and praising you. You know, you are the answer. You are the one that can transform and turn not only the standards heart, but you can transform and create new hearts in the men and women who have been tempted to fall into sin. And Lord, David was a man after God's own heart, but David committed adultery and he committed murder um, with Bathsheba's um, and murdering her husband. And we just pray that Psalm 51, every one of those verses would just come alive to every one of the prodigals that are uh, running from God right now, that you would wash away all their iniquity and cleanse them from all their sins. And we just uh, ask that you would uh, cleanse each of us and every one of the family members and all of us that we'll be clean, wash us, we'll all be whiter than snow. And we just pray that truly what we have had happen today is that um, we pray that the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And we pray that for all of us to stay close to you, Father, and help us to stay close to you. And we just praise you that you're creating each of us and in our standards and our children, each of us a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit for us. And then it says, and I will teach transgressors your ways and the sinners will turn back to you. And Lord, this, the standards here have, and the men and women here have opened their hearts up to be transparent and for God to get the glory and honor and we give you the praise. Open up the prodigal's eyes and ears to see and hear the truth and the truth will set them free and we'll give you all the praise and the glory. And, Lord, now we're just going to open up all the phones to be able to start. To, and I'm going to start singing, uh, saying the Lord's Prayer with everybody together. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.